0: you remember the last time you were deceived? No one at any time wants to be deceived but it happens and often times to the best of people. Yesterday I'm sitting in Pret just down uh, at Borough Market and in walks a gentleman as I'm sitting there at a table with my laptop open and my phone next to me. The gentleman Uh, has a piece of paper in his hand that tells me that he is homeless and he wants money. He takes the piece of paper and he places it on my table over my phone. In that moment, I was nearly deceived as I read his note, but then I twigged, my phone is underneath it. But there's nothing worse than feeling that you're falling foul To deception. One of my dear friends started a new job. And you know what it's like when you start a new job. You want to make good first impressions because your first impression always lasts. He's just a couple of days into his job when he uh, receives an email from one of his senior colleagues. His senior colleague writes to him to tell him he's going on a business trip. He needs five Google vouchers that he's going to give to other colleagues in a different country. My friend, he's just started the job. He wants to impress us and your colleagues. So he he goes to the shop and buys five Google Vouchers. It's his first spend on the company's credit card. An email comes very quickly after he's bought the Google Vouchers saying, listen, I don't have time to come and pick them up. Can you just send me the the codes of the Google Vouchers? And of course he does it. Wanting to impress his, his colleague. Only to discover that in the early days of his job, he's made one of the biggest bibs. He's fallen for an email scam. But you know, there's something greater than being deceived by someone else. One of the worst things we can ever face is the problem of self-deception. Self-deception, as James is going to teach us tonight, has eternal consequences. And in this uh, letter that we've been studying this morning and now this evening, we move from thinking about the topic of temptation to thinking about the theme of deception, and in particular, self-deception. How do you know if you're deceived as a Christian? That you've deceived yourself. Well, James is going to show us that you are deceived when you don't listen to God's word. And you're (laughs) deceived when you don't put his word into practice. So those are our two big points. Hearing God's word and obeying God's word. when we were studying this morning, we we looked at the closing verses of uh, verses 16, 17, and 18. Just notice that in verses 18, we were given new birth by the word of truth. It's so important that, that we understand as a Christian that the word of God plays a central role. It's what brings us into faith. It's what keeps us as we seek to grow in the faith. Our relationship to this book is so important question is are you good at listening to it well let's uh, work our way through these verses we'll pick up in verse 19 look at what james says know this my beloved brothers just pause there for a moment remember james is the younger brother of jesus he's writing to this group of christians who are scattered because of um, persecution They're they're facing trials of many kinds. And James begins, when he he, he writes on this theme of deception, he says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Two things. James wants us tonight to sit up and listen. What he's got to say is vitally important for us. You need to take note. You need to take heed." But notice how James speaks to those he was writing to until tonight. Not as a pastor who stands condemning, but as a brother. My beloved brothers. He wants us to, he he wants us to know that as he speaks to us, he's speaking truth and love as a fellow brother in the Lord. First things first. Let every person be quick to hear. Question, are you a good listener? Now, don't do this. Don't think about other people. Don't think about the person next to you. I'm asking you. Let every person be quick to hear. Are you a good listener? And you're chatting to a friend or you're, you're chatting to a family member or a colleague at work. Do, do you give them your whole attention, your undivided attention? Or does your mind go walk about? Be quick to hear. Is your posture when you're hearing, and, and, and in particular James is really wanting this to land in relationship to our word, is your posture to listen to what the word has to say. I don't know if it's just the modern world, but sometimes it feels difficult to listen because of all the noise and all the distractions. But if you're going to be a Christian who's not deceived, you're going to have to be someone who listens attentively. Look at what he says next. Quick to hear slow to speak. James is writing to a group of Christians who are are going through trials. Now, when you're going through a trial, I'm sure you know this reality, you can often be consumed with your problems. And so your problem is that you, and so one of the problems that flows from that is that you want to always speak about your problems, about your trials. James says, be slow to speak. You know, when you're going through trials, it's, it's better to listen The old rabbis used to say, I didn't know it was the rabbis that said at first, God gave us two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. And then look at what James says next. And slow to anger. Just think about the logic, right? When our listening slows, it's not only our speaking that can quicken, but also our temper. Think of the last time you had an argument, right? A blow up with a a spouse, sibling, friend. I I reckon I could diagnose one of the problems. Someone wasn't listening. Perhaps is doing a whole lot of talking. So often arguments and anger come about because we're slow to listen and quick to speak. The problem with the angry person is they can't hear, and all they do is speak. The quickest way to be deceived is to have these characteristics mark in your life. You know, someone who's, who's angry and not righteously angry, but unrighteously angry, you can be sure that they're deceived. Now, I don't want to learn anger because two weeks ago we heard the most incredible sermon by uh, Thomas Davis on this very theme, and Jesus gets angry, and he spoke about what righteous anger looks like and what un- unrighteous anger looks like. But just notice what he says in verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce The righteousness of God. Now I said this morning that what makes this letter practical, what makes this letter so powerful is that it's so practical and punchy. But I said that's because it's theological. And notice that James is a theologian. He says in verse 21, therefore. And when you see a therefore, you've got to ask, what's it therefore? Well, here's the connection. Therefore if this is what marks your life, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. You see, someone who's who's slow to listen, quick to speak, and becomes angry, you can be sure that they are filthy and have rampant wickedness. Did you realize that? And therefore, this is what you've got to do. You've got to receive with meekness the implanted word. If you want to be changed and transformed, James's antidote to these problems is let the word of God change you. We, read our, we rid ourselves of sin as we come to God's word. You want a godly mind? You want a clean heart? You want a pure mouth well it begins with having ears that are open to hear the word of God but notice how he says we've got to receive the word that's implanted in us he says with meekness with humility that is we come before the word and we recognize the word is right and we are wrong the word corrects us we don't correct it we receive the word We come under it. Isaiah 66 verse 2. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite. Who tremble upon my word. Who tremble at my word. If you don't want to be self-deceived. Then then you got to receive the word. And our problem is. Self-deception comes about because we don't listen to the word, even the words, as we should. Now, now what's really interesting is if, if we're being practical here, we'd say, okay, here's the application. You've got to listen to the word. And just in that moment, you think you've got the point. Look at what James says next. He says, like, hearing the word's one thing, but don't only listen to the word. You've now got to obey the word. Look at verse 22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So one minute, don't be deceived and live this way where where you're just always slow to listen, quick to speak and quick to become angry. Let the word of God transform you as it's implanted in you. And then he says, but listen, listening to the word alone is not enough. You've got to put that word into practice. Now, in a church like this, We've got to listen up. Because the word is central to all that we do. We sing the word, we preach the word, we pray the word, we read the word. But it's easy to think we're listening to it when in actual fact we're not putting it into practice. You know, it's easy to deal with the Bible without ever dealing with God. It's easy to to think, uh, well, I'm reading the word, I'm listening to sermons. It's possible to do all these things and have no personal dealings with God. Look at how James illustrates it. We, We looked at some of his powerful illustrations this morning. Here's another powerful illustration from James. The person who doesn't put the word into practice is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away and he forgets at once what he looks like. When you look in a mirror, you see yourself. But when you look in a mirror and, and, and if you see there's something wrong with yourself, you've got some toothpaste. Say that your tie's not properly. Your response is to wipe the toothpaste and fix your tie or whatever it is, your hair. James's point is if we don't look in the Word and if it doesn't change us, then there's a problem. What's worse is we can look in the mirror and we can forget what we've just seen. We can do nothing about it. Let me ask you a question. This week, I'm going to assume that if you're a Christian, you, you've read the Word. Today, you've heard the Word, I know it. Question, have you put it into practice? It's meaningless to be a hearer of the Word, but not a doer of the Word, is James's argument. If you're not a doer of the word, says James, then you are deceived. Now, let's all be honest. This is deeply challenging. This is deeply challenging because all of us, as we look at our lives, we don't feel that we were those who are good at putting the word into practice. James is saying this as a loving brother because he doesn't want us to be self-deceived. We don't come here just to uh, be spectators. Church isn't a spectator sport. Church is actually where we come to participate, where we come to hear his word, be filled with his word, and then go out and live it. As a loving pastor, as a wise pastor, James knows we need to hear this. Look at what he says next. He gives us motivation of why we should put the word into practice. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, listen, he will be blessed in his. If you obey God's word, James says you will be blessed. Here's motivation for why we ought to put God's word into practice is that it will bless us. And his point is, it won't really just bless us in the future. It will bless us in the here and now. He will be blessed in his doing. Now, if you're reading that verse attentively, you'll notice that he says something that's again, feels a bit strange. He, he says that we we're blessed as we look into the perfect law, the law of liberty. When you look into God's law, you discover that it frees you. The law is freedom, gives freedom. Now, just think about that for a moment. When you think of laws, you don't often think of freedom, do you? You think of restraint or constraint think of boundaries you think of restriction so when we were all going through covid we all got to know laws and restrictions put on a mask social distancing wash your hands so on and so forth but laws are for our good they are for our freedom so those laws that they were given at the time when the 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 virus was at its worst was in many ways to be life-giving protect other people protect ourselves but listen, it doesn't compare to the law of God. If you want to know true freedom, if you want to grow as a Christian, it's found as you come to discover the life-giving, life-transforming impact of the word. It blesses you. One of, I've said this before, but one of the most transformational truths I discovered as a Christian is if you want to live the blessed life, the best life, the blessed life. It's in keeping the law of God. It's what leads to our flourishing. It's what leads to true transformation. Well, James here says, listen, here's the motivation. Keep the law. There's blessing in it. It will transform you. It will give you life. Now, obedience to God is transformational. It changes us. James now wants to say, okay, right? Hear the word, obey the word. Now, let's just do one last test to make sure that you're not self-deceived. What's the evidence of the obedience of the word of God in your life? Look at the last couple of verses. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Worthless. The warning is that if we only listen to God's word and do nothing more, we deceive ourselves. Now he adds that if we do not keep a tight rein on our tongue, on our speech, we are fooled. Not controlling, our speech is a sign that we're not, is a sign, and it can be a sign for many of us, that we're deceived and we're not actually following God's way, the blessed way, the best way. You might consider yourself spiritual, spiritually mature. Well, here's the check. Do you keep your words in check? Do you find yourself saying things that are destructive, untrue? Do you give in to coarse joking, gossip, lying, cursing? James says, listen, if you're doing that, your religion is worthless and you deceive yourself. So he's given us the negative, but look, in the final verse he gives us the positive. You know what, you want to know what true religion is? Look at the final. Religion that is pure and undefiled before the, God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. To keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, if you want to know that you're not self-deceived, that you're putting God's word into practice, here's here's how the word has its transforming effect in your life. Now, James is written in a context of trial, God's people being persecuted. He said, you care for the needy and you keep yourself free from pollution from this world. Remember, we're speaking about this morning, trials without can lead to all manner of temptations within. And one of the worst temptations when you're going through a trial is that you make yourself the most important. You only think about your own needs and your own concerns. Here's what the person who's committed to true religion does. They think about the people with the greatest needs. Here's what the person who's concerned about true religion does. They don't think about giving in to the temptation that would stain them, pollute them. You think about living in step with God's word. Now, we're a church that pride ourselves in orthodoxy. That is right believing, holding fast to the truth. But one of our great weaknesses is orthopraxy. Right living, putting God's word into practice. You can have all the orthodox theology, but if you don't have the right lifestyle that flows from the right theology, James would say, you're deceived. And so if you want to know that you're not deceived, that it's not a worthless religion, you're putting your orthodox theology into practice in your lifestyle. What does that look like? Controlling your tongue, caring for those in need, World, not worldless in our thinking. Sometimes we will say, I, I need sermons that are more practical. That's so practical. But for some of us, it's so convicting and so challenging. The letter of James is not asking us this. What is it you believe about Jesus? He's asking us this. What is it we're doing because we believe in Jesus? Tonight, none of us can hide. We can't hide behind our Bible-believing Christians, our church-going attendants, the fact that we're hearers of the word. James asks us this question. Are you a doer of the word? Now, remember, he's saying this as a brother who loves us. He doesn't want us to fall foul of the deception of our own hearts. That's why we read Jeremiah chapter uh, 17 verse 10. Because one of the things we need to understand about our heart is that it's wicked, desperately sick. And brothers and sisters, we are prone to deception. So here's one of the most freeing things we can do this evening. Let's admit it. Let's admit before the Lord who searches us and examines us and who knows us through and through that we fail to listen as he desires. And what is more, we fail to put into practice what he teaches. But in that very confession, here's the beautiful thing. God promises not just forgiveness, but empowerment by his spirit to help us live in his ways the blessed way, the best life. We, we will not live the Christian life on our own strength, trusting ourselves. But as we heard this morning, we can live the Christian life looking to Christ, depending on him, trusting in him for all things. So let me ask you again. When was the last time you were deceived? Have you ever been deceived about your Christianity? James says, if that's the case, put God's word into practice. Confess it, admit it, and then let his word transform you as you obey it. Let's pray. Lord God, we we're those who are so prone to not one to tell the truth about ourselves. But we thank you that when we look into your word which is a mirror, it shows us our true self. And we thank you that your word is so honest that it tells us that we are those who are prone to self-deception. And so God, we come before you this evening and we confess that reality. We can look at our lives even this week knowing that we have read your word but have failed to put it into practice. We thank you that by grace that sometimes you are so good that you enable us to put it into practice because you put us in circumstances and you grant us opportunities where we can do it. God, we pray that even as we go from here and into this week, you might grant us opportunities where we can control our tongue, where we can care for the needy, where we can stop polluting ourselves with this world. Not just doing these things in on the self, but because we know as we've studied your word that this is what the one whose life has been changed through the word of truth delights to do. But we confess, we cannot do this on our own strength. We can only do it by the power of your spirit. And so we pray that your spirit, who's given us a new heart with new desires and new affections, would bring us into step with your will, with your word. Thank you, God, that you are so good and generous to us that even in the doing of your word, we are blessed. We don't deserve your blessing. You are so kind and rich to lavish it upon us. And so may, may, may we know your blessing this week as we seek to put your word into practice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.